Back on the muster for a Thursday afternoon with Andy Muir, a bit of the broth, a bit of the boss, the bros. Can't beat Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Jeff Grant's the next guest on the show, normally on a Tuesday, but we thought in light of the free trade agreement that New Zealand signed with the EU last week, Jeff will be as qualified as anybody to speak about it after being involved with New Zealand's and the red meat sector's Brexit response team, as well as the free trade agreement that New Zealand secured with the UK. So Jeff's joining us on a Thursday. Firstly, Jeff, um, what do you make of this decision? Well, look, I think that uh, the decision to accept uh, the offer made by the Europeans was probably unfortunate in some ways. We should have probably hung out a bit longer uh, or gone back to the table after removing, extracting ourselves from the negotiation. Predominantly in the dairy and beef industry, this was not a good agreement. Was it a case of not having the right negotiators? And then depending who you talk to, like Andrew Morrison um, last Friday was adamant the right people were in there doing the negotiations. Um, do you think this was the case? Uh, look, in terms of the MFAT team, uh, without any doubt, but, you know, you had Bengali's there. Uh, he's probably, you know, probably one of the best negotiators New Zealand's had for some years, and we've got some good, you know, we've had some good teams over the years. I think that the difficulty was that they were sort of hitting against the wall. The Europeans have got very strong around food security. But you, you would struggle to even call this a free trade agreement because it doesn't really deal with tariffs and it doesn't really deal with quotas uh, in the long term. And so comparison to the UK, deal, this would almost be a step backwards. Um, and that's the problem, isn't it? You look at this, like all tariffs are off for the EU trade coming into New Zealand at the moment. We've got to make X amount of years. Um, why would that be the case? Is this a case of the EU being such a big, powerful network that New Zealand just has to get what they can? Yeah, look, it is. A, and and you know, we, we shouldn't lose sight. This is 27 countries. So, uh, you know, in terms of scale... Uh, you're talking about uh, you know nearly 600 million people versus uh, a population of five. So, yes, we have to accept that we're a small nation, and so you scrap for every little bit. But, but I would have just thought there's some fundamentals here in the, both the dairy and the uh, sheep meat and beef that I would have struggled to see why you wouldn't have just said, right, we'll walk away. Look, the gains for across the other industries are really admirable and... Uh, especially around geographical indicators, uh, you know, we might have to call feta cheese something else or put WH in the front of it. Um, the reality is that uh, payroll, I still would come back and say, struggle to call it a free trade agreement. Because Damien O'Connor saying to Rowena on the country last week, late last week, uh, New Zealand only had so much red meat to go around. That being the case, logic would suggest that the negotiators should have been holding out for the top price possible and, if necessary, walk away from talks. Yeah, look, I, there's a fine balance there. I, 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 the reason why I was really keen about both these agreements, having you know longevity in the sense of removing of both the tariff and the quota over a period of time, is that we rely on China, and we can't always rely on China. China is a market now taking 30 to 40% of New Zealand commodity products. Uh, could at any time, you know, either an economic downturn or implications from uh, trade policy issues, uh, become a difficult market for us. And so the most fundamental markets after that for us are Europe, UK and the US, and we must make sure uh, that we don't, 
cut ourselves off too early by by slipping through in some of these agreements. Do you think there's a chance New Zealand can get a free trade over with India, for example? It's been talked about for a while, but um, that might be another kettle of fish to deal with yet again. Oh, look, uh, uh, India is one of the most closed economies in the world, so the, the concept is great, and uh, ex- exploration has taken place in terms of even uh, countries like New Zealand looking at what the opportunities might be in these markets. But India, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if I'm still uh, farming by the time I get one with India. Do you think as a case New Zealand maybe down the line may have to go into damage control over this actually being signed? I'm looking at this from the red meat and from the dairy sectors, Jeff, because it seemed to be a bit of a sellout in that instance. The other wonderful thing you can do with an FDA is you can go back and renegotiate at a later point in terms of uh, when there was... And look, I haven't seen... I haven't looked at what the review dates are in terms of the particular deal. That, that'll be in the detail coming out later. Um, you can actually go back, but I just... You know, the biggest gains you make are on the first round. The first hit, that's where you make it. Uh, I, You know, there was strong talk by the government of saying if the deal wasn't... Um, uh, transformative in terms of the way it would deal with uh, a lot of these big key issues that have been hanging around for it was going to walk away. In my view, they should have walked away. Probably the other thing as well that farmers can be rightly concerned about is that we're constantly being told by the government that we need regulations like Hawaka Ekanoa, for example, to make our price premium pre- premium quality for the rest of the world. Um, but all of a sudden, this has gone through. It makes a mockery of all these so-called regulations that are being forced. Well, be careful, Andy. We don't know yet what the devil's in the detail in some of this stuff. Um, I... I'd, want to see what's actually in the documentation once the, all the chapters are signed off, uh, what, what implications there might be around things like climate change, land and water, sustainability, all that sort of stuff. I would have thought there will be, knowing the Europeans, some push in that direction, uh, but the reality will be, uh, where is New Zealand sitting internationally? Is it improving uh, in terms of these areas? biodiversity, etc. And if there is a conclusion that we are, I, I think we'll be in reasonably safe ground. So I, I don't think that it's damaging as, as that. I do think it will still have some implications. So as far as Hawaka Ekenoa, for example, Jeff, uh, being included, um, this is all part of the agreement at the other end as far as um, Climate Commission and New Zealand playing its part? Well, again, we've yet to see, but my sense is in terms of what that, and the practicality, what does that actually mean? Uh, I'm not sure. And I, look, I heard the other day, I don't think the government responds on economic till near Christmas, does it? How long's a piece of string? I don't think we really know. That's, that's the issue no, and concern. No, but uh, there was sort of a bit of a hint of that the other day, and I just I haven't yet checked that out, but it seems a long time away and uh, quite critical to get an answer yes or no. Yeah, it'll be interesting how this all unfolds. Hey, Jeff Grant, thanks very much for your time this afternoon on the muster. Normally out of kilter, we're normally a Tuesday, but in light of what occurred, we appreciate your time as always, mate. Cheers, Andy. Catch you later. Jeff Grant there, always good to catch up with him on the muster, especially in this situation as well, having had um, skin in the game as far as the FTA with the UK that New Zealand got, just giving his take regarding the EU agreement that went through last week. Coming up next on the muster, Thursday afternoon, Anna Boyd from Beef and Lamb New Zealand. The Don-